welcome to Rag Chew. And if you're as curious as a kitty cat as I am, you could follow us over on social media at Rag Chew Podcast. I'm Max, and I believe the grass is always greener on the other side. But if it is, it's probably because it's fake. And I'm Cade, and snakes can sense an earthquake coming from 75 miles away. And up to five days before it happens, I wonder why they do not have more snake scientists. You know, <laughs> all I can picture is now a snake instead of a little, like, lab coat with glasses. <laughs> with glasses and a pocket protector, yeah. Yep, yep. And all I want to see as well, I want to see a tiny mustache, just like a tiny little mustache on it. Pencil thin, preferably. Yes, pencil thin, um, not like, uh, uh, well... I'll avoid that one. Not a, like a short Charlie Chaplin stash. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Nice pencil stash. Well, now I'm picturing like the Charlie Chaplin like hairdo on it though. <laughs> like the little stringy hairs coming out yeah. of his neck and yeah. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I've never found nope ropes to be adorable, but I think this Professor Snake would be adorable. Professor Snake. <laughs> Not Professor Snape. No. Professor Snake. No, for those Harry Potter heads out there. Uh, it's Professor Snake. And he sizzles, telling us <laughs> seismic waves. It's because he loves science. Science. <laughs> she delighted me with science. That's all I think about. Is uh, I like it. Where's that from? Where's that from? Uh, I don't know. I don't it know. Sa- it sounded like a Disney tune, as you. Were I thought of... so as well, but I think I'm wrong. But I don't. I, I don't know then, man. Your guess is as good as mine. Wow, this is an empty intro. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Glad you could join us on another episode of Rag Chew. Cade, what's been going on in Cade's world? Cade's world. Cade's world. Party time. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Um, listen, man, it's, it's uh, as they like to call it, I guess things are they're starting to kick back up for uh, resuming... Life, I don't want to call it normal life because it's never going to be the same way again, at least not for a while. You know, people are starting to get back to doing their thing and whatnot. And the state of Florida is like, you know what, man, we're just um, we don't really care. We're just going to do what we got to do. (laughs) We're just going to go out there and do it. Yeah, we're just going to do it. Um, This has become too expensive. So just like the Vietnam War, we've decided it's over. Uh, (laughs) But uh, history reference there, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Please. No applause. But anyways. I've been uh, I still been working. I've been doing remote work. Uh, I've been um, I feel like I've been busy. You know, I haven't left the house very much, but I've been busy um, doing all kinds of stuff, I guess, you know, playing video games, still uh, taking care of my 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 pregnant wife. I've been uh, keeping in contact with the family. We've been phone calls and FaceTime and I've been cooking and I've been cleaning and I've been playing by the pool and uh playing music and uh boy yeah it just ends up being a full day every day by the time it's <laughs> over but you know how about yourself sir it's about the same i'll say though i had a really really productive week and i've been trying to i don't know it's weird near the end as this is feels like we're tar- starting to see uh the horizon you know um i'm starting to become more productive which you would have thought i would have been more productive at the beginning and slowly started tapering off but it's weird. I'm finding more things. Uh, we have officially finished painting as of yesterday in our home. Uh, I just have to do some small touch-ups, and we're finally done. So who freaking Ray? I was so tired of doing it. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I actually... <laughs> so I went over to uh, my uncle's house recently, and you know, I, I told you before, I've done a lot of carpentry, woodworking, that kind of stuff. And we were, I've done like manual labor, but we built a freaking fence 
Um, so I, I only did a little bit with him. I didn't do as much. He's got about, I'm going to say a mile of fence he's got to do. He lives on a good amount of acreage out in the middle of BFE. <laughs> and uh, he, he's he got this entire fence line that goes across his property. And he's having to redo it because it got knocked over. So I went. we went over there the other day and we were helping him out with stuff. And um, so I started helping him build a fence. And I'm talking hammer to nail kind of stuff. It was making me think like, huh, I don't think I could ever be Amish in my life. I like technology too much. But um, it was really interesting and it was a lot of fun to be able to say that I, I, I did it. Um, definitely going to go back out there and help out a little bit more. But man, was that a lot of tiring freaking work. It was digging holes, putting fence posts in, making sure it's level, then putting the boards on, everything. I mean, it was that's a lot of freaking work. So yeah, I get props to whoever out there does that stuff on the daily. Because by the end of it, I told my wife, I was like, I have used muscles that I have not used in a long time in my forearm to like hammer down these nails and everything else. Because I've always been a, a, a guy, I, I've always liked screws just because I've always said if I need to reverse it, I can always fix it later. Uh, versus a nail, it's a little bit harder work <laughs> to pull yeah, it out, you know? <laughs> that's the truth. Um, but yeah, we did that. We finished painting. Uh, I'm trying to remember, I've done some other projects, but... Uh, it's been it's been a wild ride this week, I'll say, man. It's it, but it's been nice to be productive and be doing stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it feels good. It feels good to uh, have that sense of accomplishment. And like you said, uh, using muscles sometimes you don't always use. Whether you'll be sore the next day, but it's sometimes it's a good sore. Like it 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 feels good and and it feels good to look at what you've done too. Oh yeah, I like that feeling, especially oh, yeah. with your painting too, uh, in particular. Uh, now that you've got that woohoo, finally. Uh, finally going on yeah man well i'll say even with with the exactly what you said with the walls i love walking out and finally seeing it done and you look at it every day once you go out into the room and you go ha, oh, i did that you know and it, it and i'll say our entire house um has like tan walls i want to say like i don't want to say beige but i guess beige-ish and I, I told my wife i was like well i think we're gonna paint more walls now and she was like why i was like because look everything's tan it adds so much to a room <laughs> it's like now i have to paint everything and she's uh, like well absolutely. We only have so much time left, Max. I think you got to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Settle down, Maxie. <laughs> Settle down. Hold her there. Hold her there. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. And even with the fencing and stuff. And that was the big thing I always loved about um, doing theater and that kind of stuff and doing a lot of the tech work that I did is when you build the sets and you've worked so hard on them for so long and to finally see people, one, one appreciate them, but two, see it all come to life. It's like, wow, I, I did that. It's like you said, it's a sense of accomplishment, you know? Oh, yeah, man. It makes you feel, uh, yeah, it just makes you feel good. It's like, yeah, I did that. Especially, yeah, I think the reactions of other people enjoying what you've done is, um, I don't know, it's a feeling that's hard to replace. I don't, I don't want to put a lot of stock into, like, validation from other people, but there's just something about other people appreciating things that you've done that uh, sometimes just makes you feel real good. No, it's so true. And I'll say, <laughs> I was literally thinking of that. I was like, I don't need constant validation, but I did text my mom and my dad and my stepmother um, every single step of the way to be like, oh, look, one coat's done. Second coat's done. Cause you really want someone to be like, Ooh, that looks nice. You know, you want that like 
feeling of validation like yes okay this does look good i i don't i'm not just an idiot you know what i mean <laughs> right right you'd like for them to actually believe that maybe you took something away from what they try to teach you when you were a kid or maybe something that they didn't or couldn't do that you learned how to do and you're like hey look, i'm your i'm your kid i'm your spawn <laughs> and i did a good job okay i did a good job <laughs> Oh, man. No, it's true. It's true. You like that little pat on the back of, you know, you did a good job, bud. So, Cade, I have a question for you. We were discussing this the other day, my wife and I, and it seems a little, uh, I don't want to say morbid, but I guess it sounds a little morbid. What if you had a song, one song that had to play at your eulogy, right? What would it be? Your thoughts. Ooh. Uh, you know, what's funny is like, I feel like it's something you always... You think about sometimes, even though maybe you shouldn't, uh, but uh, I don't know. I always, I, I change my mind every now and again when something else comes out that I like, but uh, I think I'll always go back to the same song, and uh, that is uh, Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. That's that's a good one. That's a good one, honestly. It's a beautiful song, and I think it'd be great for a eulogy, you know, when someone's sitting there reading it about a memory about you. Oh, yeah, man, and it's, uh, you know, I got a history with that particular uh song in general that i was introduced i mean i had heard tom petty before didn't necessarily realize you know when you're a kid but when i was younger i was probably 13 or so and um i was riding in the car with my dad and he put on the album full moon fever uh and that's usually how a lot of people who didn't get into tom petty early get into him is that album because it was uh it was so great and and so many uh, so many hits came off of it. It was also his first uh, quote unquote solo album that came out. Fun fact for you there. But um, boy, I fell in love with that entire CD. Uh, I had uh, that. I won't back down was on that one. I love that song so much. I listened to I listened to it all the time when times were hard. I listened to it when I needed some motivation um, and uh, it really helped get me through some tough times. So I always go back to that song because I love it so much for a lot of different reasons. But um, yeah, that that uh, fun story for you. Hope you'd enjoyed it. No, that's interesting. It's interesting. I'll say mine, as I was sitting there thinking about it, we all kind of went around the room and, and thought about the different songs and that kind of stuff. And mine, I've always been, uh, I think everyone's heard I've been a country fan. I like classic rock, that kind of stuff. If you've listened to the podcast for some time, but I grew up, my mom was a big fan of Aerosmith. And so that got me really, really big in Aerosmith. I've never seen them in concert. That is one of my dream concerts because I'd love to see Steven Tyler before he turns into a powder of dust, let's <laughs> be honest. Before he um, looks like Mick Jagger. Yeah, exactly. But he can still sing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know he's had a bunch of surgeries, but man, can that guy still sing amazingly. He sure can, yeah. Um, but I, I said, I think the song that I would choose would be uh, Dream On. And I know that sounds like your stereotypical Aerosmith song, but I don't know. It's the one song that I would listen to on repeat as a kid. And I absolutely loved by Aerosmith growing up. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like that would be my choice. I tried to sit and think about a country song because I love country and I think it's got so much heart into it. But I don't I don't know. The one that really speaks to me is is, is Aerosmith, you know? Absolutely. And you're right. It's great. It's a great song, though. Dream on. Absolutely fantastic song. Um, my uh, <laughs> it's funny. My mom uh never she hadn't heard the song before she stumbled across the lyrics one time and she was like oh these lyrics are so great like this is fantastic that's not her type of music by the way i just want to throw this out there and so she's like oh i gotta listen to the song and she asked me about it and i'm like yeah yeah here i'll play it for you and i played it for her and she's like 
I think I just like the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just like the lyrics. Yeah, which was which was funny, but I mean, I like I like the choice, man. It's it's really good. I'll th- actually, you know, because you're talking about country, you know, uh, going back to it. So I'll throw you a second option that I, as far as country goes, that I really like a little off the wall. But listen to it if you've never heard it, you might enjoy it. But uh, the way I am by Merle Haggard is a, a really good one of those. I've never heard that one before. I definitely would recommend it. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's it falls right in line to one of those songs. So if like somebody said, okay, you can choose any song for, I don't know your uh, your eulogy, but it can't be Tom Petty. I'd probably go with that one since you're looking for a country uh, a dealio there. But uh, yeah. Fun fact for you. There you go. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking of like all the artists that I love because I love Jason Aldean. I love Eric Church. I love uh, I love Luke Combs right now. I think he's fantastic. I think he said got such a great noise. Yeah, he does. Um, but it's just I, I don't know none. And I love George Strait. Oh, I love George Strait. But I Georgie. can't think of anything that like really speaks to me on the level that I guess Aerosmith did. And because I think because I knew it so much as a child, it's it speaks so much. But I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know. it makes a difference. It, it makes a difference when you have something uh, that hits you when you're younger, because I feel like you got a longer period of time to maybe uh, vibe with it, resonate with it. You've got time to get away from it and go back to it. And uh, those ones that you do that with, they just stick with you and they mean something more to you, too. So that that's probably at least what I would surmise is why you uh, like that one a little bit more surmise that was a nice word there Cade. i i like your vocabulary there that was very good <laughs> thank you sir thank you thank you i'm not as uh, i'm not as illiterate or uh stupid as i think i am sometimes so that that good education there that right? education yeah. i got down there in the swamps <laughs> oh man well i got another i got another thing to throw out here um i, I just want to take a minute number one uh mother's day is when this is going to be released, Mother's Day is uh, right after it. So want to sh- give a shout out to my mom, who I know listens to the podcast. So I appreciate you, mom. I appreciate everything you've done for me. Um, the one thing I'll totally say that I respect the most about my mom, and not bagging on anyone else here, but she was a single mother and raised two boys and worked her butt off in order to take care of us and put us in line. So uh, she's an excellent person. And uh Honestly, I, I got to say happy Mother's Day to anyone out there who's listening and uh, and just shout that out there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Had to share a little moment there. What do you think, Cade? I think that's great, man. Happy oh. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all, to your mom, my mom, stepmoms, count two. And, I agree. Uh, I agree. Aunts and uncles and grandmas. Uh, not uncles, I guess, but aunts and grandmas. And aunt, uncles, you get your day next month, okay? Chill, all right? <laughs> you, get uh, your, you guys got to calm down for a minute, okay? <laughs> calm down, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, take it down a notch. Take it down a notch. Don't be as curious as a kitty cat, okay? Um... But yeah, man, I uh, without super women in our life, man, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be where we are, or who we are. So I uh, special Mother's Day to all the moms out there that listen. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. And and just as a uh, hard topic change here, Cade, I'm going to jump into just because I have been doing such tinfoil hat, uh, like looking up here on topics. And I was trying to think of something interesting to find. So I found another story. And another uh, delving deep that I did here to find another interesting story. So how much have you heard about the great uh, William James Murray, also known as Bill Murray? 
Uh, a pretty good amount. I actually watched the documentary on Netflix, the Bill Murray stories. Oh, really? Okay, so you you know a good amount about the guy. Indeed, indeed. Okay, all right. Well, so I, I wanted to share this with some of the ton of the listeners because Bill Murray is really interesting. Um, he, his story was kind of interesting how he kind of came about. So I think a lot of people know he got his start on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he started with stand-up comedy, um, excuse me, by going in and um, doing some stand-up and then eventually got onto SNL. Uh, but he got into an off-Broadway version of Lampoon way back in the day. And he started on ABC's Saturday Night Live and then went to NBC's Saturday Night, which turned into, as we all know, Saturday Night Live. Um, as Chevy Chase uh, was leaving, he was kind of brought on. So really interesting guy about his film careers. The thing I was finding so interesting about him. And he, <laughs> it, the thing I found so interesting is, so he started his first role in Meatballs in 1979. Mm. Um, have you ever seen that movie? I personally haven't. Have you seen it before? Hey, you know, believe it or not, I've seen a lot of his. That's not one that I've seen. Really? Okay. So I've never seen it before. I don't really know much about it. But, and then what I found really, really interesting about him is that he's either had some really good hits and some really, really bad downfalls. And that's what I was finding so interesting about him. So he did Meatballs. And then later on in the 80s, he did Caddyshack and Stripes. But right before that, he did a movie called BC Rock. It was, I think, a, a French um, story that really didn't ever go anywhere. And he's done a, done a lot of independent films that really haven't gone anywhere but Caddyshack which was a really really big popular hit in the 80s and then Stripes which was uh good but it didn't make as much money I still think Stripes is an amazing movie army training sir <laughs> I still think it's hilarious um and then he released uh Tootsie which came out which was a pretty big hit and then Ghostbusters which I think was the biggest hit um of 80s movie in, in, in the 80s I personally think Ghostbusters was right um but then what's really interesting is he took a couple of years off. I think somewhere in there he had his kid and he kind of took a couple of years off. But he did the the Razor's Edge, which he co-wrote. And it was his first role in a dramatic film. And this is where I start thinking it gets interesting. Because he got into this dramatic film. And I started thinking, I think Bill Murray wanted to get into something dramatic. And he wanted to kind of change what everybody saw him as. Right. Um, rather than the funny guy, you know, always doing stupid comedy and his dry humor, he wanted to do something serious. But what's so interesting is that movie absolutely flopped. It did awful. Did awful. Um, and that's when he jumped into uh, Ghostbusters. And it all turned around and his career kind of jumped up. And it was the highest grossing film. Um, and, and, and it was really interesting the more I started looking, like I said, it constantly happened. He did Little Shop of Horrors, and then he did Scrooge, which is that Christmas movie, Ghostbusters 2. And then he did, uh, where is it? What is this movie called? Uh, Nothing Lasts Forever, which was right before Razor's, The Razor's Edge in 84. Mm. Nothing Lasts Forever. Have you ever heard of it before? No, I have not. No, you shouldn't have because it was never released. It was never released, and it's just interesting to me that he's had some really, really bad movies. But what's interesting about Bill Murray, in case you don't know this about him, this is the thing I found so interesting, is he doesn't have an agent at all. So he uses a voicemail. He literally has people call in and um, they basically pitch the movie 
in his voicemail. And then if he likes it, he answers it. But occasionally he doesn't answer it for a long period of time and he never looks at it (laughs) and then he listens. And so he's already missed a bunch of parts. And apparently he's been offered like a ton of stuff um, in the past. I'm looking for it. I know he got Willy Wonka and the chocolate fact, Charlie and the chocolate factory, excuse me, who framed Roger rabbit monsters, Inc little miss sunshine, all these things. And he's just completely, he either just doesn't listen to it and then he goes to listen to it and then it's, it's already too late. They've already cast everything else. Right. So it makes me think about how many more really good hits he would have gotten into if he had a proper agent, right? Or probably quite a few. See, and that's what I was thinking about. And that's what I find most interesting is I go, maybe he's finding these bad movies because he kind of just goes, oh, this is open. I guess I'll take it, you know, and listens to it. And goes for it because he's had a lot of missed opportunities, <laughs> right? As he went into it, um, and and it, it reminds me a lot of um, going back to his dramatic. As he he tried to do a bunch of dramatic movies, and it it really didn't work. Um, so after he did Ghostbusters two in eighty nine, he did What About Bob, which was pretty popular. Then Groundhog Day, which I think is amazing, um, and one of the best movies. And then he started doing. A lot more supporting roles. So Edward Kingpin, Space Jam, which is incredible. Yes. Was, I can't believe that that website is still up from the 90s. That's incredible. Um, but he did a lot of these interesting movies. And then he started to try and dip back into dramatic roles again. And he did The Wild Things, Cradle Will Rock, Hamlet, and The Royal Tannenbaums. But none of these were actually as popular or as good as his comedies. And I found that really interesting. And it made me think about, and this is where I'm going down the rabbit hole here, Cade. Hey, I'm on for the ride. It made me think about Anthony Perkins. And do you know the name Anthony Perkins at all? I do not. He was uh, the actor who was Norman Bates and Alfred Hitchcock's psycho. Um, And something I found really interesting about him is he he tried, after after being in Psycho, um, so many companies, I guess production companies, only pictured him as Norman Bates. They only ever saw him as Norman Bates. So he tried to do a bunch of different movies and he did a ton, did a ton, but nothing ever as uh, prolific as Psycho. So every time he tried to do um, awards and that every time, excuse me, every time he tried to do um, any other movies, they always looked at him as Norman Bates. And it was really difficult for him to get an actual career started and make good, good money being an actor. Now, don't get me wrong. I bet he made some good cash, but nothing as amazing as Psycho. And that's why he did Psycho 1, 2, 3, and 4, so many of them. Uh, But I found it really interesting that he had such a hard time because people only ever pictured him as that. And I thought about as well, I thought about other actors who were in that case. I look at like Daniel Radcliffe. A lot of people only picture him as Harry Potter you know, because of what he did. And I think he's tried to break out of it by doing some serious movies, independent films, that kind of stuff. And I know he's been on Broadway before with uh, how to succeed in business without ever trying, Mm -hmm. but he has never been able to shake that entire case of, you know, I only see you as this one role. And that's why I think about as well. There's like Emma Watson, who's really pushed herself and distanced herself from the Harry Potter franchise because she doesn't want to be known as just Hermione Granger, just that one thing. And she's really shaped her life to be something different. You know, I think she became an ambassador for something. I can't remember what it is. And she's a real advocate for women's rights. I I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it is. Um, But she's she's really tried to shake that mold. And that's why she's done a couple different movies. 
um, but nothing I think that really jumps out at you. And you're always, for some reason, my mind, as soon as I think of Emma Watson, the first thing that goes to my head is Hermione Granger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So it just made me think with the whole thing about it when it comes to movies and that kind of stuff, jumping back to Bill Murray here as we've jumped around on three different, four different people here. um, I found it really interesting that he had such a hard time breaking into your dramatic films because everyone saw him as the funny guy um, and really, really interesting. And uh, to share a couple different facts here that I found interesting about Bill Murray. Apparently, he's very difficult to work with on set which in a way kind of doesn't surprise me. No, I can't say I'm too terribly surprised by that at all because it, he improvises so much. Like, uh, well, exactly. That's what I've heard. So some, some of the other people who were like, oh, I'm reading my lines, he's supposed to say this. Uh, it messes them up or they get mad because that's not what they're expecting and they don't know how to do the same thing. Well, exactly. I'll say he's, an, he's excellent at improv. He's excellent at improv. He's really, really good at just kind of going out there and saying whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. My favorite improv moment from him of all time, and I don't even think it's close, is for anybody who's seen Caddyshack, is the Dalai Lama story with the pitchfork where uh, he's talking about how he got the caddy for the llama. And uh, when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. Apparently, that entire story was improvised, and so was the poking the kid in the neck with a pitchfork. And, I actually uh, did not know that. And I said, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. Yeah, that entire thing, I guess he just started rambling off and the camera happened to be rolling at the right time. And uh, they included it in there. But that's my favorite improv moment from him of all time, because I freaking love that story. A big hit of the llama. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just an interesting, he's a really interesting guy. He he really is. And, and he... Apparently, he was so difficult to work with. People called him the Murricane. Uh, Dan Aykroyd referred to him as the Murricane because his reputation was so bad uh, to work with. And he's so difficult. And he just seems like one of those guys that I, I aspire to be. I'm too friendly, but that I aspire to be that if I don't like you, you're going to know it. And that we're not going to get along. And I'm going to be really difficult with you, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's the kind of guy that's that that way. He's... If, if we don't mesh, we don't mesh, and I'm going to be really difficult and impossible to work with. But if we do, we're going to be great. Yeah. Because um, that's how he's worked a lot with Wes Anderson, doing a bunch of uh, films for him. Uh, what has he done with it? Fantastic Mr. Fox um, with them. I don't know why that's the only movie I can think of. Uh, I think he's done. I can't remember what else. can't remember what else. But he's done a lot of big films with him, and it seems like that's the one person that Bill Murray me- meshes with really, really good. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Apparently, uh, there's this one story that I was reading here on Wikipedia that, um, apparently Chevy Chase recalls being confronted by Murray shortly after an SNL broadcast in which Chase had returned to guest host. The issue issue likely to do with Chase's insistence on doing the weekend update segment that had been taken over by Jane Curtin led to Murray and Chase trading insults when, with Murray telling Chase to go have sex with Jacqueline Carlin, Chase's wife at the time. Uh, while Chase commented that Murray's face looked like something that Neil Armstrong that had landed on. Oh my God. That's <laughs> the amazing. argument eventually turned physical and uh, Bill Murray ended up talking about it later that he was like, it was an Oedipal thing, a rupture. He was like, he, we, we felt mad that he had left and I was anointed as the avenging angel who had to speak for everyone, but Chevy and I are friends now. But it was really interesting to hear that it's that he's exactly the way he is that he is in the movie you know that he in movies he's just dry and will tell you anything to your face that you want to hear or that yeah. you don't want to hear excuse me but interesting guy i really found him quite interesting that he uh just kind of does whatever he wants you oh know? yeah and and uh, to tell you 
if you have not on Netflix, if you have Netflix watched the the documentary, the Bill Murray stories, do it. Um, extremely, extremely interesting. One of the things uh, he's been known for for a long time is that he just randomly shows up places. And uh, it's one of those, I guess the tagline is always, um, no one's going to believe you. It's like, he always tells people that, like, no one's going to believe you, uh, you know, whenever he shows up and goes and does these things. And it does that a lot in that. I think one of the, it's not really a spoiler, I guess, but one of the quick stories while we're on the subject, and then I'll get away from it, is um, that I guess he showed up at this party, uh, this frat party. Uh, I can't remember where it was. And uh, like just went into the kitchen and started making himself a drink. And this like <laughs> and this kid was in there or something and like looked at him and was like, oh, my God, you're Bill Murray. He's like, I got to go tell my friends. And he's like, nobody's going to believe you. And then he just left. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard something similar to this. I saw it. I don't remember where it was on Reddit or Imgur or Imgur, whatever you want to call it. Years yeah. later that I saw that somebody had met him inside of a bar. He'd kind of walked into a bar and got a drink with a guy. And then he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be so excited to tell that I met Bill Murray and he goes, nobody's ever going to believe you. And, yep. but the guy was able to get a selfie with him apparently throughout the night. And, uh, Bill Murray just took off and left. And I guess it's true. I, if somebody told me that and I walked into the kitchen, I'd be like, uh-huh, you met Bill Murray. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he just showed up here, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of really good stories in him, man. It's he's, he just seems like a cool dude. Yeah. He, he just seems like the kind of guy that does whatever the heck he wants, but you know, I guess when you have that kind of money, you can, I guess. Yeah, that's also very true. That's also <laughs> very true. Well, man, uh, I think it's about time we uh, wrap this up after our big uh, Bill Murray, I guess, uh, conversation here. But I have to ask you one question. Yes, sir. Before we get on out of here. What's your favorite Bill Murray quote? Uh, quote? Ooh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> sorry man so there's a lot there's a lot out there that i very much enjoy and if you haven't caught up like listen he's done a lot of really great movies that i very uh very much enjoy garfield is not one of them and uh, he even talks about oh, how much so he bad. he even talks about how much he hated that one um but uh caddyshack is i i just love that movie man it's it's for a lot of different reasons nostalgic reasons from like when i was a kid but it's one of those ones that I go back and watch at least once every few months just because I love it so much. Um, but uh, I I know I already talked about it, but I go back to that story in the quote about uh, uh, asking uh, asking the llama, hey, hey, llama, you're not going to stiff me. <laughs> oh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. <laughs> no, I got that going for me, which is nice. He's so crazy. I, I think my personal favorite I have to throw out there has I, I, I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters. I'm a huge fan of Ghostbusters. And I think my favorite thing has to be uh, when somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Are you a god? Are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's such a great, great, great movie. I love Ghostbusters. We'll yeah. always go down, I think, as the greatest, one of the greatest movies to ever be released. Oh, I, easily, easily. For sure, for sure. Well, Cade, do you have uh, a finishing quote from you yourself, sir? Uh, from me, myself? I, I, got a, I got a Teddy Roosevelt for you today. How about it? Uh, it's a good one, man. Uh, believe you can and you're halfway there. And uh, I think, to me, that just means believe in yourself. So believe in yourself, people. That's, that's the key to a lot of things. 
That's very true. Very true. Well, thanks again for joining us here over on Ragchu, guys. Make sure to go follow us on social media at Ragchu Podcast. And we will uh, talk to you next time. Take it away, Howard Dean. Yeah!